like to welcome to you another episode of Tales of Glory. And in this episode, we're going back to my book, A Field Guide to Advanced Spiritual Warfare. We're going to dive into chapter seven, which is on hearing God and prophetic ministry as it pertains to spiritual warfare and inner healing. Again, if you're a visual learner too, I do have PowerPoints for this that I'll be working off of. Posted over on a field guide to spiritualwarfare.blogspot.com for this episode of Tales of Glory. You'll find it there. Or you don't need them if you're just listening in your car and you want to hear some cool spiritual stuff for guys on a long road trip. This is uh, what to listen to. So you can just listen to Spotify or you can listen off of um, Anchor.com. Again, I'm your host, Reverend Michael Norton. I'm the missionary at the microphone. I currently work as a counselor to work with uh, inner healing with people who have been severely traumatized and have spiritual attachments and things going on from that. I also work as a spiritual warfare minister and I work in some cases with them that are some dark supernatural stuff that's way beyond the scope of paranormal ministers and what they can handle. I'm with M16 Ministries. That's my ministry. I founded around 2007. I was also the one of the leaders for Night Strike Homeless Ministry and I actually ran it from 2009 to 2016, I believe. And I'm also have Miracles and Warfare Deliverance and Healing Sessions from 2010 to 2013 at my old church. So some of you may have moved from that as well. And like I said, I do ritual abuse counseling and spiritual direction, 2013 on. I'm the co-pastor of a church, Remnant. And I'm also a author of Field Guide to Spiritual Warfare and a Field Guide to Advanced Spiritual Warfare. And again, I'm a missionary in spiritual warfare. I've been to Ethiopia, Guyana, Haiti, Vietnam, Cambodia, name a few. And I worked a lot of different dark witchcraft in those areas and those regions and with the pastors who have to deal with it. So I kind of garnished my knowledge from quite different places. So again, we'll be dealing from a field guide to advanced spiritual warfare, deliverance, ritual abuse, and exorcism prayer ministries. You watch on YouTube. There's that gorgeous cover right there. There it is. So where are we at? We're, we're kind of moving down our list here. If you're looking at the YouTube list, we've We've gone down several chapters. We're in chapter seven now. So I've highlighted it. Hearing God and prophetic ministry. So I put the little roadmap. You are here. That's where we're at today, and that's what we're discussing. So let's fire up them PowerPoints there, Mac. Let's see what we got going on. So first of all, when you write books like this, what on earth qualifies me to speak on this topic? And what is my background in prophetic ministry? Good question. I'm glad you asked. Because where do you begin with stuff like this? Where do you start? Up to about 2006, which is 40 plus years old, maybe 47 about that time, I, I keep calling myself a, a front pew member to the, of the Frozen Chosen. That's where I was. I was a member of the Frozen Chosen, and I was in the front pew in my late 40s. Uh, the church I attended taught nothing about prophetic ministry. I thought prophetic was all about apocalypse, right? And Hal Lindsey's great, great plan on earth. Remember that? That's We had these ministers that came through. They had their PhDs. And they talked to you about revelation and how it applied, premillennial, postmillennial, whatever. And there was always this doomsday thing where Mageddon, where the battles would come. And Magog had to be China or Russia coming through. And Right? That's That was my introduction to prophecy. I thought, well, that's kind of weird. You know? It's kind of like Nostradamus. What is this stuff? But if your church wasn't a prophecy back then or understood deliverance or anything like that, that's that's what you got as an understanding. And that's not what it is. So as I mentioned, I was having encounters with God's presence and hearing him at an early age, not clearly understanding what was happening with that. I, I experienced the full-on presence of God back when I was around 11 in, in my elementary school years. I also had experiences off and on since then. I 
most of you are familiar with this podcast, and I went through some hauntings, and I dealt with spirit um, shadow figures, seeing them. So there's a whole different stuff, spirituality, that was building up during this time that I didn't understand what it was. Then I had something I called The Incident. Let's call it The Incident, right? Um, it was a prophetic wake-up call that my spiritual discernment was real. The prophetic happened in a way in a non-prophetic church. So in other words, pro pro prophetic ministry can happen as the Holy Spirit rolls it out in a church that's non-prophetic. And that's what happened where I was at. I was one of the early, early adopters, um, the few other people. So what was the incident? My wife was a intervention person where marriages were going on the rocks. And she was one of the church go-to church ladies, right? The church ladies go to if you're having marital problems. And she would help these women navigate through them. One particular instance was around a couple days before Thanksgiving of 2006, I believe. Um, I got this phone call from this guy that my wife was working with. It was her husband. And he just calls me rattle my rate like, what is this? My wife says, you see right through me. What does you see through me? I go, dude, I don't even know who you are, man. Let's back up a bit. Back this up. What is going on? What's with this call? He goes, my, my wife and I you know, were arguing, and she says, you see right through me. Mike Norton sees right through me. And wow, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but if you want to settle down a bit, let's meet for a coffee tonight. Let's go out and, and discuss this and see what's going on. And so I was trying to give my wife a hand in this, right? Like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll give her a hand and help her out. What happened was, about 15 minutes earlier, he and his wife were in a heated debate and she got mad and pointed the old finger and Mike Norton sees right through you. And I'm going, and that's, that's what he got. And he's like, what? Who's this guy? So we went out to meet for coffee and up till then, off and on, I have experiences where I see shadow figures or something demonic off and on by the grace of God. I don't see them all the time. It's not, there's one there, there's one there. Off and on, I just see them. Sitting there having coffee with this guy in this bookstore. And this shadow figure manifests right next to this guy. It was a lying spirit. This guy's getting ready to lie to me. And I can see it on his face. He's about to say something. And I look over, like it's off to his, his let's see, be off to his left then. If I face it's off to his left. And I'm looking, kind of like puzzled, like, well, what is that? I'm, you know, he sees me seeing it too. He goes, oh, you see him too. And I go, who's him? And he goes, oh, that spirit. He goes, follows me around. Now, oh dear God, right? Because it, I got confirmation for the first time in my life when I'm around 47. I'm actually seeing the spirits that are real. I dismissed it as something like dementia or something like mild dementia setting in. I hope I don't get too old and start seeing this stuff all the time. But there was confirmation that what was going on spiritually was a gift and it was real. And my whole life came crashing down that those couple of days and it launched me. Literally, the Holy Spirit literally launched my butt on fire. There was more to this God stuff than just helping out in children's ministries and running events and helping things, you know, and doing Bible studies. There was far more to this. So I was set on fire to find out information. I was on the fast track to learning spiritual warfare, the prophetic and dream inter interpretation from December 2006 to spring 2007, especially spiritual warfare. Uh, spiritual warfare opened the door to the prophetic and the dream interpretation stuff that I didn't realize. Once the enemy saw that I understood my things I were seeing was a gift. I got full on attacks where they'd show up to my house, turn on fire alarms, all sorts of weird stuff. There was a brand new house and I had people out investigating what was going on. It always happened when my wife and our intercession, the fire alarms would go on to interrupt us and distraught, you know, distraught our, our prayer. 
apart from seeing things, they were annoying me and hassling me, but I finally drove them out within a month learning my spiritual authority. God let that happen. It was a tribulation, so I learned my spiritual authority. Stuff got pushed out. It never happened to my house again through all these years of doing this stuff, and I've gone deeper and darker with stuff I have to deal with. I started into Night Strike Homeless Ministry and Training. That was actually run by Bob Johnson, Bill Johnson's brother from Bethel Church in Reading. I had nowhere to turn for spiritual warfare, but Bob Johnson goes, we need a guy like you to do this stuff because we deal with this all the time in the homeless ministry. And I'm going, no way. <laughs> what? The very first night I was out there was my very first deliverance on the streets. It was crazy, casting out a demon. So it's, you know, I was hooked since then. That was my place to be trained. Where did prophetic come in? During that time, too, I was also hosting house churches in my house because I was inviting people who knew about spiritual warfare. I was inviting people who knew about prophetic dream interpretation, healing, praying for healing. And so I started growing a small following. And people go, you have a church? That's no, not a church. It's just like Sunday night edification, right? Come here. I have somebody speaking. And so it grew in popularity. It got so popular, my pastor got really mad at me. He goes, what are you doing starting a church in your house without my permission? It's like, I didn't think I needed permission, right? Um, it was just stuff that I was being edified on. Other people wanted a church, but... We didn't want to go against what the church was at, right, and push it on them. So through one of these church meetings, I met Cindy McGill, from, who's a, a Elijah List um, minister. She's from Texas, a really interesting person. She ran the Burning Man events. I went about five Burning Mans with her to her. And I've done New Age ministry with her. And I've done pagan fairs and ministries and dark venues and covert ministries, prophetic evangelisms. It was all because she got me launched in it. Actually, the New Age ministry and prophetic our pagan fair ministries that we, we covertly went to were, were run by me. Um, we snuck in and did, you know, <laughs> encounters with people in these weird spiritual places, and they got rocked. It was crazy. The witches were the funnest because they were trying to shut us down. Like, they were calling all this stuff so we couldn't hear from God. And then finally, she confronts me. She goes, I'm a pretty powerful witch, and I've been trying to shut you down all day. How is it you're still working? <laughs> I said, well, I think God's a little bit higher than your person you're talking to. And, she, you know, and she, she was rocked by it because I wasn't mean to her. We were all very nice to her, but they knew we were, they were just offended. Like, well, what's Christians doing at our event? And we weren't offending them. And some were coming by. So we were giving some phenomenal words, prophetic words. And they were getting rocked. It was crazy. Super funny. Um, and from that, we actually had some voodoo priest come out with us on Night Strike. He goes, I want to know more about this God. How do I learn more? So we invited him out to Night Strike. We had this dude with this funky jacket on walking through the streets with us. He had his little cane with his little <laughs> skull on his cane. You know, he came out several nights until um, some very religious person who came out from some church on Night Strike with us shot him down. You don't belong out here if you believe in voodoo. You know, like, well, he wasn't praying in voodoo. He was watching us. You know, we were, he was like, you know, we we're trying, starting to get his attention, like a little prophetic evangelism, little turns of the keel there and the rudder. And so he never came back and he was mad and upset about that. But, you know, it happens sometimes. Sometimes our own people, you know, get interfere when you're trying to um, work with uh, new believers or get people converted. But that was a very powerful ministry to do it with. You know, it was always funny. Like, a lot of times on the streets, I sat down and talked to the witches. They go, you're Christians out here? Yeah, we're praying for healing and stuff. And it's just, it's not being seeker friendly. It was being able to open the door to communicate with them because I wasn't calling out their sin they would talk with us back and forth. And as we talked about problems, they listened to the Christian side of it. And it opened up dialogue is what we were doing. A lot of churches that are seeker friendly don't work on opening the dialogue. Is why they get themselves in problems. Um, but our, our intention was to open up dialogue with people, you know, let us know what we're about. And they, they loved it. They, they weren't finished by all. So Cindy McGill, she's the one that was primarily worked with me a lot with um, 
my prophetic ministry and training and outreaches. I did a lot with her. Man, we, Burning Man was incredible. I did about five with her, and we probably did about a thousand souls per Burning Man in those five days. So that's probably about 5,000 total. We had people come back, people came back looking for our place. Holy Spirit would send people to our place. It was funny. It was just crazy. So yeah, God works in all places. He, he, he runs us, you know, he's, he runs the earth. Over the years, I've taught numerous prophetic evangelism courses, and I've, I've, I've wrote them, and I've, I've teached them, and I've taken people on them. A lot for my own. I usually, when I took people to New Age festivals, I had to train them um, to make sure where they were at and where they were operating at. So many different doctrines out there right now that are bad that we had to train the people the way we needed them to be trained to operate in, in our outreaches because we were going covert ministry, going undercover, and reaching the lost. So it was kind of cool. Um, I said, organize and led outreaches in the New Age and Pagan Festivals. I don't consider myself prophetic, but more as a servant for God. I have a joke that combines prophetic with pathetic, but I'm actually prophetic. And that's where I stand. Um, I don't consider myself as a prophet. I'm a servant of God. And when he needs somebody to do prophetic ministry, I can do that where he needs me to be. Same with healing and other things. But enough about me. <clears throat> so introduction. Again, my presentation here is about my current understanding and where God has me now in this framework of ministry. I'm going to stick with the topic headers in the field guide as are presented in the book, um, as are presented in chapter 7, but I'm going to approach this from where God has me now. But this is where God has me, so I want to update some stuff, refresh testimonies and things God has showed me since I wrote the book. And I'll adhere to the chapter headings that are in the book, but you know, kind of update and flavor it more. So if you have the book, it's not like, oh yeah, he's reading verbatim for me, thank you. And I want to kind of update you where we're at now to show this stuff still is important as when I wrote it and how things have changed or how some of my thoughts have changed. Gosh, Mike, why come you write it right in the first place? Because if you're doing this stuff, God is always growing you. The stuff that's in the book is right, but I've learned more since then, because if you're doing it, God's always changing you, teaching more stuff. So I kind of want to make this the addendum to add on to what's new since I wrote the book. Oh, okay, that's good. So, introduction, hearing God in the prophetic. So when dealing with afflicted souls, deliverance ministers many times encounter brick walls built up of lies from the enemy that the prayer recipient believes to be inner truths. Remember we talked about this last time, ungodly beliefs. Okay, what do we do about them now? That's why prophetic ministry ties in hearing God. These are the brick and mortar of strongholds. Spiritual truth and revelation from Jesus tear down these diabolic strongholds. The purpose of deliverance ministry is to restore the focus of the recipient's prayer back on Jesus, right? We need to spiritually realign them back on Jesus and off the ungodly beliefs and mindsets. So the prophetic gifts can be very powerful in bringing down strongholds and disease attitudes. The walls may seem impenetrable, but the truth may trickle into the session in the form of prophetic words of knowledge. Prophetic ministry is when God supernaturally intervenes in the ministry session and speaks through his ministers to the prayer recipient. When I mention prophetic ministry, I'm talking about New Testament prophecy similar to that Found in Paul's epistles to the Corinthians, New Testament prophetic ministry is about hearing from God and how we use it. So let's take a look. What's in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 5? Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, 
The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so the church may be built up. So prophetic ministry, as defined by Paul, defines a church made up, in my opinion, of interpretation of little p prophets. Little p, all right? Austin Powers, little p. Little p prophets. We operate through the power of the Holy Spirit and the prophetic spirit of Elijah, who was a capital P prophet. There's no office. I need a lot of use um, from the uh, apostolic reformation. I have an office. I have an office. Okay, you may have a physical office. I have an office. I'm sitting here in an office. But you, I don't believe in the anointed offices. And a lot of times people I met who had those were just so off kilter. It was, it was horrendous. So God has graced some of his children to operate more intensely and intimately in this gifting. That's just a grace of God. It's not, don't misunderstand it to be an office. Some of us operate more intensely than others. It's the grace of God, not an office. Sorry. We all operate in this gifting if we pursue it. So God may give us a taste of a gift and we have to pursue it and develop it. Okay. During deliverance and healing sessions, God will speak to everyone on the ministry team. God's Holy Spirit may speak to both the ministers and the prayer recipient as a confirmation on the prophetic word of the word of knowledge. In other words, it's going to be dispersed amongst everybody in that prayer team and they're going to get it or they're going to receive pieces of it. Just to acknowledge, oh, I'm hearing that too right now. I'm feeling that. Yep, that's what I'm getting. God talks to us in a very subtle manner. The message may trickle in over time during the ministry session. One person may get it, then another person, another person, and then one person may, hey, I think we're getting this. And I go, oh my God, I was hearing that five minutes ago too. So it just it just trickles in. It's, it's not like a C.C. DeVille or a Charlton Heston movie. Thou shalt tell this man about his porn addiction. You know, it's not that. It's like, okay, there might be something pornography going on here. What's, what's going on? And it'll come up. A lot of times now we're too quick to spit out words because we've been trained to off our checklist, right? Don't go to pornography because it's on your checklist. You know, or the same thing like, I see a spirit around his waist. You know, and that's, it's just, there's a checklist now. We're not seeing it. We're not using God's tools. It's very soulish. So keep that in mind. Prophetic ministry is when you're dialing to God and like, what? What is that? Oh, that's crazy. You know, it's listening to Jesus the whole time. God doesn't typically come crashing into the soul that I have the soul with a thunderous voice like we talked about. God's voice is usually very subtle and gentle. Most prophetic ministers I work with have confirmed that God's voice is very sublime. What's that? Very gentle. Mike, why don't you have a conversation with this guy about what he's looking at? Because it's going into the eyes of the soul and it's not good and it's it's hurting him. Okay, we'll, have, we'll ask him about that. It's never so say it the Lord or fake it to make it y'all. That's what I call him. So say it the Lord, fake it to make it y'all. Because we'll get into that. We're not receiving directly information from the Holy Spirit. We're getting it from him, but it's kind of different how the old prophets, Old Testament prophets did it. It's slightly different. So we're not in the place where you associate the Lord because we're not getting it the way they did. The Holy Spirit is in union with your heart and soul. The Holy Spirit speaks in your consciousness using your internal voice. That's why we got to dial into what station the Holy Spirit's on. Is it my soul or is that just Jesus has just talked to me? So this is mental prayer, bi-directional communication with God the Creator. Okay, I've dialed in the station. I know what Jesus sounds like. This is where he's at. 
I mean, I can start talking to him. Jesus, if you're listening right now, I really need help with this. This has been a horrible day. That's mental prayer, right? You're just being raw with him. This is what's going on. Jesus, I need some friend that has cancer. They need to be healed right away. It needs, their lungs need to be cleared out or their brain needs to be cleared out. Whatever's going on, I, I need you to help. And then sometimes God will give you pictures of what to pray on or something like that. And that's communicating with them. As we're talking to God, this is not clairvoyance or channeling. I remember one of the most interesting topics I started talking about when I was working with Demonology Today Radio with um, Ken and Faradil. We started talking about hearing God. And there's a lot of um, paranormal people on there. And they were blown away and we started talking about how we could hear Jesus and talk with them. They're going, what? You hear God? You know, what sort of familiar spirit do you have? Um, no familiar spirit. I have the Holy Spirit. And that one's, that one's um, fused to me. Okay, that's how I hear this stuff. And they were floored. So this is not channeling or clairvoyance. This is a direct um, 4K high definition tap into Jesus. Getting the real stuff, not the polluted stuff. So a soul that is in union with God can hear his voice. We know this from John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. A justified believer's heart becomes a new temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. Okay? So if I have the Holy Spirit dwelling in my heart, I have communication with him. We're, we're, we're fused together. We're fused in spirit and we're fused in the heart. So it's 2 Corinthians 3.16. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Remember, the veil was torn when Jesus died on the temple. Now the veil is removed and we have complete access internally to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father, the triune God. We have direct access to him now inside of us because our spirits fused to theirs and our hearts fused to theirs. God, in Genesis 1, imaged us as spiritual beings so we could commune with him. That was very important. Remember, God wanted created a family. We know about this. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to um, Supernatural Through His Word podcast. That's over on m16ministries.blogspot.com. Listen to that. We're going to impact that one. We have direct access to the indwelling Holy Spirit through mental prayer and mental conversation, as I pointed out. Jesus, how are you doing? I'm doing horrible today. Jesus, I'm doing great. Jesus, I'm so bored at work today. You know, it's just stuff like that. Talk with him. You know, I'm really upset what's going on in my family right now. I need some help. I really need your help. That's, that's mental prayer. And it's just talking inside your head to him. He can hear. We're wired for it. Direct communication. This gives us the same direct access to the Holy Spirit who dwelled in the apostles, Peter, Paul, Billy Graham, you know, and Catherine Coleman. All these great people of the word, right? You know, whether apostles or in recent day were, were evangelists, we have the same access to the same Holy Spirit. When you reach maturity in your prayer life, you will know his voice. The drawbacks to hearing from God are that we are human beings are fallible. That's the drawback. Yeah, we can hear from God, but you know we have some things that kind of get messed up along the way, how we interpret it or how we hear it. And that's our fallibility as human beings. We're not perfect images of God. Ah, locutions. It's a good topic. The classics on mystical theology, the study of how God interacts with us through prayers, calls the church mystics ability to hear God or the voice of a spirit a locution. And locution is Latin for means utterance or spoke. So in mystical theology, when we talk about locutions, it's about how we hear things. So St. Teresa of Avila defined three primary sources we hear from locutions. One is our soul. We hear things from our soul. 
And it could be, you can't do this. You know, I'm not good enough to do this or something like that. That could be coming from your soul. Or, so saith the Lord, I got this. That could be coming from the soul too. Or, man, I need to go to the refrigerator and get that last piece of chocolate cake. That's a soul. That's how we hear it, right? Number two, spirits, divine spiritual beings, both holy and evil and demonic spirits. Okay, what do, what do we get? This, this is the one we should avoid altogether if, at all costs we can. It's just, it's just too hard unless God really opens up something that he wants you to hear something. He'll, he'll do it. Otherwise, just be careful that. We don't want to talk to him, hear from him, whatever's going on. And so item number three is hear from God. We, we can hear from him directly because we have the components for it. We're, we're wired to hear God. I know I got a <laughs> an angry worded um, comment in my, um, I think it was the M16 Ministries. No, it was a field guide spiritual warfare because I host the um, St. Teresa of Avalon there. Somebody was upset that you're not telling people how dangerous it is to hear from God. You know, what are you talking about? God wants a relationship with us. And she goes, no, it's dangerous. And I go, it's not dangerous. He wants to have a relationship where his children, the father wants to speak to his children. Therefore, we communicate. You know, and a sheep hears his voice. Where are, you, where are you getting this scripture from? Where does it say it in the Bible? It's dangerous to hear from God. Yeah, if you're on the wrong channel or you're channeling or if you're using a, um, <laughs> a familiar spirit, yeah, it's dangerous. But we're talking about holding, talking to God directly through a justified soul. Locutions from our soul. When we learn to hear from God, our own soul can get zealous and make stuff up. Right? God may take a while to answer our petitions, but instead of waiting for a response, the soul will fabricate what it wants to hear back from God. Yay, I asked God for a Corvette and I can get one, you know, or something like that. Or it, 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 We make stuff up. That's just an exaggerated example. When learning to hear from God, we must purge ourselves of instant gratification and learn to wait on the Lord for his answers in prayer. It just happens. And so say it, the Lord is a locution from the soul. Sorry, it is what it is. I know that person, they're prophetic, blah, 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 blah. You know, maybe they are, but so say it, the Lord, they didn't get it directly from God. It just, it came in through our hardware and we had to unpack it, like decrypt it. And now we're interpreting it. So it's more safe to say, I, you know, I'm humble to say, I think I've heard this from God. I think this is what God is saying rather than so say it, because if we misinterpreted it, it's not so say it, the Lord. Make sense there? So, locutions from divine spiritual beings with these angels, fallen spiritual beings, and demons. So rarely does God send his messengers to interact with us. Get that? Rarely does God send his messengers to interact with us. Get that straight. Many people I've worked with who claim they were receiving angelic messages or having conversations with angels were doing so with masquerading angels of light. Do not petition Jesus to see, communicate angels or divine spiritual beings. Do not do that. If you see an angel, it is always through the grace of God, and he alone initiated the mystical experience. Therefore, you do not pray for this. I want to see angels, God. Oh, you know, sometimes um, God's going to say, no, it's just, that's that's my own grace. You'll see it when I want you to see it. That's who he is. He's God. And the demonic can pick up on it. Hey, look, here's an angel. Like, now you're going, wow, I'm talking to angels now. And you have a, you have some sort of dark angel mastering the spirit of light. And not good. In spiritual warfare and ritual abuse healing, Ministry, never, ever consult, request angels, ever. Jesus alone heals these souls. The most dangerous thing you can do is consult an angel during ritual abuse healing ministry because these people were hurt by dark angels. And guess what's going to show up to your show? I've seen people during ministries going, I'm, my angel's going before me helping this person. What's wrong with Jesus? You know? And many times I see people rely on the angels. They're being sucked into 
The masquerading angel of light, even though I thought it was a, a good angel, and it's usually a dark angel, especially in ritual abuse. Be very careful. Kick out angels whenever possible. If Jesus brings some to the party and he's doing it, fine. I don't communicate with them or whatever's happening. And I'm talking to Jesus. Is he yours? Yep. Okay. Just do what you got to do. I, I get you. Otherwise, I'm going to kick him out. By learning to be patient, God teaches us how to hear from him and gives us the respect we need to approach him in prayer with petitions. Over time, we learn how to wait on the Lord and respect his timing. How long does it take to hear from the Lord? However long it takes, however long he wants it to take, it's just there's no time frame on it. Each and every one of us, learning to hear from God, knows that the first lessons are in patience and operating in humility. Got that? I want to learn to hear from God. So you need to develop patience and humility. As we learn to hear from God, the soul deepens in the relationship with Him. This is very important. This is what's happening. Learning to hear from God, the indwelling God, is a part of our transforming union. We're going deeper. Through this process of sanctification of the soul, the transforming union, the soul learns to hear His voice. Very important. How do we develop a relationship? We're starting to hear Him more clearly now. So locutions from God. We're talking about God now. So. Right now, my biggest pet peeve is do not outsource your hearing God and learn to hear him on your own and do not outsource it to prophetic ministers ever. Too many people do that. I've encountered prophetic ministers who hold office, there it is, right? And they couldn't hear from God. God tore the veil in the temple so you could encounter him directly. He wants to talk to you. He didn't want to talk to the prophet through you. Learn to hear God by stealing yourself, Psalm 4610, and through being face down the carpet in his prayers and supplication. Find what channel in your soul he is broadcasting on. This is what I tell people to do. You'll find it. And you'll be able to get there more directly. You'll learn, okay, this is where I kind of feel God's at. It's just, it's a feeling like that's his voice. There it is right there. And you more naturally, like reflexively get there. Spending time with God, learn how he speaks to you. Through pictures, words, songs, dance, whatever it is. And don't be like other souls that have allowed themselves to fall into the deception that prophetic ministers can hear from God better than you can. We've fallen that trap. Don't, don't fall into that. The same Holy Spirit is in you that is in prophetic ministers. The same curse of original sin is in them as in you, right? You guys have the most fallen, fallen natures. Remember back in uh, Noah, men were just inevitably evil. So we do have evilness in us. So why do you think that the person you talk to is more righteous? Just because you haven't received the answer you wanted from God doesn't mean you're not going to hear it from a prophetic speaker. They can give you some other one, like, oh, that's so resonates I got from this person. No, it didn't. Maybe that person gave it from the soul. I don't seek prophetic words about myself or my ministry. I hear from God by being patient and humble. And God speaks to me as I am obedient to his protocols. He is the creator of the universe, Lord of the Lords, King of Kings. Now, as I was doing a night strike, I was experiencing different churches coming out and probably different people from Bethel. There was people who were able to do prophetic ministry, and there was the fake it till you make it, y'all. And because there was more fake it till you make it than the real people, I started being very skeptical. People came out with prophetic ministry. And I kind of uh, started stringing the ones that could and the ones that couldn't away. And because of that, I didn't trust a lot of prophetic ministers. I started figuring out and discerning some of these bigger prophetic ministers were also kind of full of fooey. So what God started doing was sending kids to me <laughs> who, were, who were prophetic. I remember um, I was at Jubilee Church back in 2007. There was a prophetic conference. I usually go to those just to pick up on information on what's going on. I don't go to those anymore, but I went to a few of them. And they had the Voice of Pentecost from San Francisco, which is no longer a church there anymore, a big prophetic church. 
had an eight-year-old girl, little platen shoes, a little, little dress. She was cute and all. And they handed her the microphone. She was on stage. She starts prophesying. There's a couple out here from this town, blah, blah, blah. It was my hometown where I was from. And we, just, you know, we were living there. And she goes, they're being called right now in, deeper into a homeless ministry. And God wants to um, you know, increase them and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. And she goes, is there anybody here from this town? Stand up. And there's like probably about 100 people in the audience. And so I go, what the heck? I'll stand up, see if there's four other people or five other people. It was just my wife and I. And then she called us up. And this little eight-year-old just nailed it. And it's been so many times because of my skepticism on <laughs> the fake it to make it y'alls that God has sent children to blindside me and give me strong prophetic words. It's been kind of funny. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I have a word for you. No. Um, but it's been cool because they just nail stuff. It's been getting me weeping and stuff. Like, oh, my gosh, you know. Because it's, it's just like, you know, like God says, come to him like children. These children can do prophetic ministry a lot better than some of these celebrity ministers can or the, the CNN prophets on TV, you know, are telling you what's going to happen next in the government because they watch CNN for all day and then got in their pulpit on YouTube like, here's what's going to happen. God's going to expose everything. I think Carrier has been doing that guy. You know, thank you for that. But I watch TV too. You know, <laughs> I don't pay any attention to those guys. They're horrible. So for my ministry needs, my direct communication with God is sufficient. The most important prophetic minister is you, and is all based on developing intimate relationship with the indwelling Jesus Christ in your heart, his temple. Right? Don't misread what I'm saying here. I don't get answers right away from things I'm praying about. Sometimes I never got answers. Sometimes I got answers over a few years ago. You know, and just or sometimes I'll get them within a week or so. It just takes time for it. Or sometimes Jesus has to show me something for he gives me an answer. Or sometimes showing me is the answer. So hearing from God means sometimes months of not receiving an answer, or any answer at all for that matter. Many times God answers in the form of life direction, and Holy Spirit urges that I believe are not even associated to what I'm asking for, because God sees a bigger picture that I'm not seeing. So if God steers you and sees something like, well, this isn't anything to do with my answer, maybe three months down the road, oh my gosh, that was a piece of it, that was a piece of the puzzle. Now I get it. Oh my gosh, I get it. Learning to move in the prophetic the best way to learn to operate in prophetic is to spend lots of time with God and pray into this. This is something we can ask him for. Jesus, I want this. Jesus, I want this. He'll probably tell you to go out and do something. Well, go out and pray for somebody then. You know, or something like that. He'll, he will. He'll tell you to do something. He'll want to see if you're obedient. You get that urge, the Holy Spirit urge, like, I need to go out and pray. So first and foremost, make sure you can connect with God during your scripture meditations and prayer time. This form of meditation doesn't mean you have to memorize scripture. Okay, just what's God showing me? This is the first step. So look at scripture and ask Jesus, you know, in prophetic, like, how do I impact this? What does this mean? Or what are you going to show me with this? And just relax and close your eyes after you read it. What do you want to show me? It means let the word permeate your consciousness. I call this marinating. <laughs> As you read and let the Holy Spirit unpack it. When you can connect to God through this, you'll begin to hear his internal voice more clearly. You can connect with God by having daily mental prayer conversations with him. Let the Holy Spirit train you in how to do this. The Holy Spirit's the best teacher, and you can learn to rely on him for your instruction. What's mental prayer? God, I had an awesome day today. Thank you. Thank you. And this is going on your mind. You have to use your lips when I'm talking out loud for you. This is a great day. Or this is a horrible day. You know, where were you, God? Where were my guardian angels, man? Do you see what happened? And, he, he, and just a lot of times, even though you're kind of raw and, and, and going off, he'll stir you back into it. I usually into those with, oh, wow, you know, more appreciation to Jesus. Wow, you're right. Wow, it did happen. That was a good day after all. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I missed that. I was so angry at this one stupid thing that I didn't miss all the good stuff that happened. You know, he'll kind of stir you back into it. That's, that's mental prayer. 
when Jesus used prophetic evangelism with the woman at the well in John 4, he exercised his complete compassion for the individual he was trying to reach. Bringing Jesus' compassion to every prophetic ministry session is critical. Prophetic ministry is a powerful spiritual tool for inner healing and deliverance. Okay, so if you want to learn how to do prophetic evangelism, go back and look at John 4, the woman at the well. Jesus had gave the woman an encounter with her heavenly father that she kind of lowered her defenses and protector where she was able to have a dialogue with Jesus. And by that time she was figuring out who he was and that he was a prophet of some kind or somebody pretty big that she was able to receive what he was talking about. And then Jesus finally says, you know, he didn't call out her sin. He just goes, and um, he told her, oh yeah, you have, you've had more than one husband or something like that about, you know, her, her, her life. And it resonated with her. And she's like, oh my gosh, he was very gentle about it. He didn't call out her sin. He was like those guys in the street corners with the bullhorns and the signs. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. He wasn't like that with her. He was very gentle with her. And that's not being seeker friendly. Wasn't that being seeker friendly? Oh, no, that's a model I use off of Jesus. That's how he did it. He, he likes to be relational. You have to be relational with the person and tap into them. And then when they're kind of talking, then he'll kind of bring something up so they'll listen. Very clever, Jesus. Very clever. So look at the models of how he does stuff. So learning to move in the prophetic still. I can recommend some great Holy Spirit-based equipping courses. I'm a huge fan of Streams Ministries by the late John Paul Jackson. John Paul Jackson was amazing. I took a lot of his courses. I never knew what to think of him because I never met him um, in person until like a few years ago. It was like a year before he died. It was kind of cool. He was at our church and he spoke. And he was just an amazing man. He was like, he was who he was. I worked as a... Um, Drivers for certain pastors and ministers, prophetic ministers, and they were a totally different person. Got them in the car, like jerks, <laughs> as opposed to they were on the pulpit, like, "Oh, I love you, I love you guys." But John Paul Jackson was who he was. Just an amazing man, and I, I actually gave him a copy of a Field Guide in Spiritual Warfare and signed it for him. And he was the coolest dude, amazing. He was actually interested in people he talked to, and he was attentive to what they said. So I thought he was a cool guy. So I recommend his courses. And YouTube has his videos. Look for John Paul Jackson and his excellent course, The Art of Hearing God. That's about hearing God. Good stuff. It's available on YouTube, I believe. At least it was. John Paul Jackson's teachings are also available online classes from his site, streamministries.com. So for my outreach ministers, when I took them into the pagan fairs, New Age fairs, and Burning Man, this course was a prerequisite. You had to have taken this before you come work with us and a couple of outreaches. I can't recommend this course enough. Um, what I really like about John Paul Jackson's course is that he teaches the importance of the character of the minister and his identity in Jesus Christ. And this is important because I've worked with local big churches around here. Well, I'm from the Father's house and we do it this way. It's very doctrinized. You know, or we do this, we, you should do it this way too because this is the way our church does it. You know, oh dear Lord, go away. You know, go back, you know, go back where you got from, go away. So it's... And when you encounter other people, you have to operate humility. And it's about your character that you're not there to offend them, but you're to give them an encounter with Jesus. And that's how Jesus gets their attention. Very important stuff. So there is a tremendous responsibility to the minister to operate in humility and to live a life that's a transforming union with Jesus Christ. You know, what are you doing in your prayer life? Are you going deeper, a transforming union? The minister must repent, work wholeheartedly in his own sanctification and walk in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I worked with a very renowned minister in my area who kept feeling he had to correct me in prophetic stuff. And like, there was something really off about him. 
very off. And it was just, there was operating in pride. And as it turned out later too, he was, he was uh, going to see prostitutes on his side time, on sideline there, right? And you're going, what the heck? So this minister, when I started talking with him, he couldn't hear from God at all. Not at all. But his soul was able to fabricate things in a very prophetic way that sounded prophetic, but it was his soul. And I so many people I've caught doing this, it's be careful. Oh, they're very prophetic. Yeah, they can sound prophetic. And they can even come off and, and, and nail something. Or even the enemy could use them to, you know, talk through them. And something sound dead on. So be careful. That's why I don't really trust prophetic ministers. I have a handful of really good ministers I work with and I know. And I call them little P ministers. And we don't operate outside our box that much. But we definitely hear stuff that's going on from God. And it's usually different from what the CNN ministers are, are saying. And it usually aligns with other little P ministers we hear in different parts of states and areas of the nation. So I don't really go to conferences and I really don't care about the um, apostolic reformation prophets or the celebrity prophets. I don't, I don't care about them at all because the people I work with are so dead on and actually operating better in their gifting and humility and who they are in Christ. I'd rather go talk with them when something's going down. So a minister may have a powerful gift from God, but if he's not walking with God, God will bench him. He will. I have worked with ministers who cannot take correction in using their gift. I talk about this, right? Oh, we're from this church. Not taking advice and correction from Holy Spirit sent mentors is operating in pride. Like I don't bring them on my outings. Sometimes I bring them on like the, the, the pagan fairs or something where only with one day I could get rid of them if they stink. I don't bring them out to Burning Man or somewhere else because I'm stuck with them for a week. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And I had people who took out the Burning Man. Um, we're out there and it's like, it, it's, you know, it's, the Kundalini spirit out there. It's all yoga. And these some of these ministers slip off in the morning and go do yoga. I say, what are you doing? We're going to the yoga camp. No, you're not. Well, what's wrong with it? You know, it's, it's a Kundalini spirit. It's a, it's a god. It's a it's a demon. You can't go there. Oh, that's not true. You know, you're just, you're just acting in fear, Mike. <laughs> I always love when they tell me that. And so if you guys want to act in fear, you should tag along in some of these exorcisms I go. You'll see fear. You'll see crazy stuff. But I just laugh. You're operating in fear. But yeah, it's just amazing what the ministers would do so we don't invite them back. You don't go off and do your yoga at Burning Man because it's demonic. It's like, it's it's, it's really, you were brought here to work with God. You've done your praying, now you go do your yoga. Oh, dear Lord. Dear Lord, Lord, Lord. Lord, help me. So modern-day prophetic ministry is stigmatized because too many ministers misinterpret the role of the New Testament prophet. Prophetic ministry means you can hear the internal voice of God. Hearing a prophetic word doesn't mean you're a prophet. The last prophet was John the Baptist. I believe there are no more capital P prophets. This was strictly Old Testament. So what do I mean by that? John the Baptist was a prophet. He was baptizing the foreigner for Jesus. And I think when his head was cut off, that was a prophetic signal from God that the capital P prophets were cut off at the head and he was the last one. And now as Jesus raises up these guys, these um, 70 disciples and everybody else was following around, we became the little P prophets. And that became more apparent too in the book of Acts in the first two chapters. The Spirit's poured out in all of us. The difference is that the Old Testament prophet heard directly from the Holy Spirit. The New Testament prophet perceives from the Holy Spirit. Note the difference in prophetic styles of receiving versus perceiving. The sole purpose for end times church prophecy is to build up a person with a positive affirmation. We're lifting people up. We're building up the church. We gotta lift them up. Edification. We don't give negative words or prophesy that people are going to be sick. We don't prophesy people are gonna be having a baby. There's a fertility problem. 
or anything weird or extreme outside the box. In ministry outreach environments, we don't correct or rebuke the lifestyle of the individual receiving the Word of God. Many times God will do it encrypted in a message that goes straight to the person that only they understand. I've seen this many times. So we as a minister didn't have to call out the sin God did through a prophetic message and they just started weeping. Okay? So do with what God gives you because he knows how to tap into the person. We let the encounter with the Holy Spirit speak to the person's heart. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what to say for the encounter. Let God do it. Let God handle it. Okay, discerning God's voice. That's kind of important when you're hearing from God. That's, that's a biggie. So if you're just starting out in prophetic ministry, how can you tell if a message is from God? Keep in mind that hearing from God is very subtle, right? His voice is very subtle on us. Many times a thought or a picture will drop into your mind that is in no way anything you were thinking of or before the experience. This is my one of my definitions that I caught on to early on. If it just drops into your mind, say, uh, I don't know, you're working outside. You're, I do a lot of construction on my house. I'm working on a wall or something, putting up siding. And all of a sudden this thing drops in. It's totally incoherent with what I'm doing right now. But it starts coming in more. Like, oh my God, God's showing me something. What is this? And it starts taking you know root somewhere. That's kind of how it drops in. I noticed Mike Verkler in his book, Four Keys to Hearing God, which is a great book. I'm working with my family members right now and here trying to hear God. And I'm using this book right now with them. Um, you get that? Four Keys to Hearing God? Mike Verkler. Let's see if I get the title there. He says the same thing. If it suddenly drops in your mind, you weren't thinking about it, most likely it's coming from God. Most likely. This dropping in of a picture or word is the beginning of a mystical locution. Here we go. It is so subtle that you may have experienced this and not caught it, right? So I'm working outside, putting up siding, and I caught it the first time because I was busy driving nails in with a nail gun. Don't want to nail the gun my finger to the wall. And all of a sudden, here it comes in again, another picture. Um, I need to contact um, some friend I haven't contacted in a while. What's going on? I feel depression. Oh, my God, i got to contact this person. It's very subtle. I may not catch it at first. So, God, why am I thinking about this person right now? And you get, oh, you better get a hold of them right now. Something's going on. So if you think you're getting an elocution, you are hearing God, ask the Holy Spirit what you think you are perceiving. Unpack it with the Holy Spirit. Is the message you're hearing an exhortation or is it a condemnation? This is interesting. Get to know the difference. Remember, we are to build up and encourage and come alongside. That's an exhortation. God does not want to tear down the people we are ministering to, especially if they are in bondage or severely broken. God will exhort, lift up, with a message where Satan will give a bad message of condemnation. Like, you're never going to meet with Jesus. You're going to hell. That's condemnation. Or you suck. You royally suck at everything you do. Those are voices we hear on our own, right? That's, that's condemnation from God. So, I mean, a condemnation from the Satan. So we hear from the enemy as condemnation. You stink at this. You'll never be any good. Why are you even doing this? Go home. Quit your job. You'll never be good at your job. That condemnation is from the enemy. And Jesus is like, right on, hang in there, man. I know this was hard day to day. You need to hang in there. You got this. You got this. A few more months, you'll have it down right. So I want to quote from my one of my old mentors, Bob Johnson from Night Strike. He used to say, Jesus good, devil bad. Jesus good, devil bad. Right? So it's the premise for filtering locutions, what's coming in. So if it's condemnation, that's bad. That's, that came from the devil. Flush it. Get rid of it. Jesus good. Now, come on, Mike, you can do this. I know it's, it's been a hard time. Or we can get you through this. Don't you worry. We can get you through this. It's, he's lifting me up, right? That's an exhortation. And also, always test the spirits and see if what you're receiving lines up biblically. 
So first of all, Jesus good, devil bad. That's testing the spirit. What, how did it come in? And does this align biblically? You know? How's it aligned? If it's a violation of any of God's word, like, ah, oh, that's garbage, flush it. It could have sounded, you know, encouraging, but this is a total violation of God's word. Flush it. And we're allowed to do that because we're perceiving information. If it's something's not good, don't hold on to it. And think, it's from God, it's from God, it's from God. It's like, no, it's just, get rid of it. If you doubt it, get rid of it. If God really wants you to hear it, he's going to give it to you again or send somebody in with the same message, okay? So it's okay to be imperfect in this. It's okay. Oh, wait a minute, Mike. Is that false prophecy? Yeah, but we'll talk about this. So let's, let's look at 1 John 4, 1, testing the spirits. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is true. We see this a lot now. I think there are a lot of lying spirits right now running through the YouTube of the CNN prophets. I think there's a lot of lying spirits. It's like in 2 Samuel, and they're out there. So be careful. But a lot of Christians tune into it. Wow, did you hear this guy say this today? Did you hear this say this today? Like, no. That's not what I'm feeling God saying, so I'm going to not really pay attention to that at all. But it's part of the culture. Well, this guy, he looks good. He looks like a prophet. He even has a Moses cane he's walking around with. Well, this chick has funky hair, so she must be hearing from God. And no, 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 no. No, those are gimmicks. You don't need a gimmick to get it right from God. So to learn prophetic ministry, spend time with God and understand how your prophetic gift works. Spending time with Jesus is number one. Spend time with Jesus, spend time with Jesus, spend time with Jesus. We are all unique, and God gives us radically different types of spiritual gifts. So do you hear or see from God? Are you getting a pictures, words, song, dance, something? What are you getting? And it doesn't always have to stick with it. Usually you'll excel in one or the other. Usually I usually get pictures. I was at Burning Man. I was working with a prophetic minister. Who's, she's my friend. For some reason right then we were doing ministry. Some guy signed up for a prophetic song. And something happened to the minister's throat where she couldn't sing or something was happening. And like, what are we going to do now? And she looked at me. She goes, I'm being told right now I'm not supposed to sing. And I, I had to prophetically sing. And so, yeah, um, when you're a servant and God tells you to do something, you got to do what you got to do. I know it was out of obedience. God goes, I know you're not going to like this one bit whatsoever, but it it rocked the guy. It's like, I don't sing at all, man. <laughs> I'll probably sing to myself old 80s songs or old Phil Collins or something or, or some worship songs or something along the car. But I don't do prophetic worship, but I did that one time because God made me do it. So utilize what God put inside of you to use. Take time to understand your gift and most important, know your identity in Jesus Christ. So a lot of times there's just a comfortable factor. There's a certitude that you're in Christ. A lot of people ask, what's your identity in Christ? You may not have an answer for it. Just a certitude that God's in you and Jesus is in you and you're walking with him and it's just, all things are good. All things are good with me and Jesus. You know, we're going the right direction. I'm, I'm certitude that I'm, you know, he loves me and I love him and I'm, I'm going to heaven. And I, I can feel him in the book of life because we have conversations all the time. We hang out. So I, I know that's there for that. It's not because of my righteousness. It's not because of that. It's because of the um, relationship built. So that's my identity in Christ. I can feel it at the certitude. Also, don't imitate someone else's gifting. Go to your creator and discover what your method of hearing is. Had I imitated the person who trained me in deliverance, I probably would have had another successful deliverance ministry completely patterning what I learned from this individual. However, after my training, God separated me from this individual because there were some problems with them. A lot of internal problems he needed deliverance from himself from. And I could have easily developed a big successful deliverance ministry through it, getting a church together. Um, and I even did a similar model at um, Miracles and Warfare, another church, but I did it my way. I didn't do it his way. 
So I knew it was successful and I could do it. Um, but that wasn't following what God had for me. I had to follow what God had for me, and that was eventually in doing this counseling for the uh, ritual abuse and occult survivors and Christian Christian abuse survivors because I had to deal with the supernatural. And I've had bigger battles than I've ever had to deal with in deliverance ministry, and there are longer battles, and it took a different mindset to hang out there. So had I not followed and ignored an obedience what Jesus had for me, I wouldn't have had what he has for me now. And I think it's a better ministry than what the other person had. Even though it's a very small ministry, I don't care. Super small. You know, a lot of people don't know about us, where we're at, but they certainly know the other person's ministry. Like, big deal. So go to your creator and discover what method of hearing and ministry he wants from you and run with it between you and him because it's a personal relationship. He wants to show you how to use it. We're in a family business. God's raised us up for family business. And first he's going to hand you the mop to mop the floor of the store. And soon you're going to be able to move from mopping the floors and cleaning toilets to stocking the shelves of the store. And then from stocking the shelves to be a cash register. And then to the accounting and then to management and managing other people. Right? And just think of it that way. That's how the Father's teaching us to run his family store. We're not going to become super prophetic at first. We've got to learn how to move, um, move the mop around the floor, clean the floor, and clean toilets. Right? Because we're servants of God. That's all we are. We're not we're not offices. We are servants of Jesus. That's what he wants us for. And we're going to hop around different business areas of the store. Some may be prophetic. Some may be spiritual warfare. Some may be inner healing. And some of us can sell in different places than others. That's okay. But we're all going to have to start with a mop in our ministry he's training us with. And a lot of people don't want to do that. Well, come on, I must not be hearing God because I don't hear as good as the other person. Maybe that other person spent time with a mop. Maybe that person's stocking shelves now. They're farther in the, their business training than you are. Don't judge yourself from them. Go to Jesus and find out where you're at. And be honest and build up from there. You don't have to be like the other person. What if the other person's faking it like I talked about? And then what are you doing? You're building your ministry on something that's fake. So just you and Jesus, that's where it's real. So my prophetic gift is that I'm a seer. I see things in my mind. I get pictures. I perceive pictures from the Holy Spirit. I don't always understand what he's showing me. And I must pray to impact the message. When I do outreaches, I bring a sketchbook and colored pencils and see what I see. There are times when the recipients see what I'm sketching and they already know what the message from God is. It's a very personal message and I don't have to interpret what God is conveying. I've been at the Hay Street Fair and I've been at New Age outreaches that I was running the events from where our lines got so long I had to jump in and do... I, I did prophetic ministry for groups, if you want to feel this one. Um, just I felt the... Um, the anointing connect right then and there that God had me doing prophetic ministry. So I jumped in and I do like three to five people at once. My sketchbook running three to five different drawings back and forth and stuff. And I just kept going with all the drawings until I finished them all. I sometimes sketch some here, some here, some here. And the people were blown away. Like, how'd you get all this? How'd you, how, what are you channeling? What psychic school did you go to? Berkeley? I said, no, I'm speaking to your creator. He's giving me, they're like, what? Um, you know, like the stuff was so dead on with multiple people. I was always floored. I started taking pictures. You know, I have some just for my personal use. Like I was blown away just for testimonies later on. Like these people hold up the picture, like a group hold up picture all they had and they're all smiling. Like, how do you do this? You know, that's crazy. This should be a Las Vegas act. Nope. This will never work in Las Vegas because God won't work there. He just wants to reach the lost. So you can do crazy stuff under the anointing. And when it's done, it's done. You're zapped. You're out. It's not, it's not you doing it. It's Jesus. So I've been able to do multiple people sometimes. I remember I went to Africa with my church, um, Ethiopia. I was called up to do prophetic ministry, and a lot of people didn't know what it was. They thought it was just praying over people and stuff. Um, and so I knew it from night strikes. I'd been a year into prophetic ministry, doing it like every Friday night and stuff. And so all of a sudden, some of the 
Ethiopian ministers caught on. I was doing prophetic ministry, and the other guys were just praying over them. So after a while, I had a line of 60 ministers lined up to be prophetically spoken over and translated to. <laughs> and, and I was there for like an hour and a half when my other ministers took off, and it finally shut down. So it's just, you know, I'm a servant of God. I'm not prophetic. I couldn't do stuff like that now or if I needed to, but if God highlights somebody or God wants me to be prophetic as a servant, he just flips that switch, and there I go. So I also know other people, prophetic singers, um, that gives them a song to sing in their ministry to the recipient. I've witnessed a prophetic dancer deliver a person from unclean spirits through a dance. And that was pretty mind-blowing. Um, I think it was um, Patricia King's admin several years back, probably 10 years ago. She had um, somebody did prophetic dancing. And I saw her one time do prophetic dancing for a deliverance from an individual. And it was crazy watching the spirit leave. You know, just God will use you and your talents he put in you. So don't be limited to whatever you have. He says, until you do something crazy, like I had to sing prophetic. I've never done that again, but he had me do it once because he told me to. You do it. And it just, it's mind blowing. And that guy had some crazy healings going on. And I, to this day, I couldn't tell you what was going on because I, song wasn't that great, but I guess the words were, it's coming from the Holy Spirit. I don't know. <laughs> and the person that was the minister with me were lifelong friends since we'd done that. And she was laughing. She was he goes, God was telling me not to sing, not to sing. And I goes, who's going to do it? And I go, well, God was telling me to sing. Well, he's telling you not to sing. So like, it's, it's funny. He was having fun with us, what he was doing. Okay, a word on Old Testament false prophecy. But what about false prophecy, Mike? What if you get a random mental gibberish? Isn't it a sin punishable by death if you get a soulish message? Do we stone the person, take them outside the church, and pick up the rocks and let them have it? Um, yes, if you're an Old Testament prophet sent by God, and if you had false prophecy, yeah, stone them. So let's look at that. Let's look at the Old Testament legalities here in Deuteronomy 18, verses 18 through 20. I'll raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I'll put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command. Okay, this guy's receiving. You see it? And whoever will not listen to my words, that they shall speak in my name, I, will, I, my, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. Stone him, stone him. All right, we're getting a little, okay, back off there a bit. So that's the Old Testament, right? If you have a false prophet, we're just talking, because it was, there were some legalities there, because the Holy Spirit was speaking directly through, they were directly receiving to that prophet. So what's different? Why don't we stone us um, New Testament prophets, lowercase p's, who get it wrong sometimes, because we do. In this dispensation of church, we are not messengers of God, as were the Old Testament prophets. We will not be stoned to death if we get the message wrong. We are God's messengers of edification and building up souls, and we are to build up the church with the gift of prophecy. We are required to test the spirits and develop certitude on the message we perceive. We must also have the character of Jesus Christ to deliver the word we perceive. In New Testament, we perceive the Old Testament prophets received. Know the difference. Perceive, this is what I think I'm getting. This is what I think I'm hearing from God. That's perception. Old Testament was, so saith the Lord. And if it was wrong, you're making stuff up. Either you got smited or you got stoned. I don't know. One of the two. That's the difference. So as the Spirit's poured out in all of us, we have a wobble factor that you know we're fallible. And we'll try to get it right. And if we get it out and it's somewhat wrong, we're allowed to repent or revoke it and just because I'm human. But, you know, if you're standing out there as a prophet, you better begin that 
more rights than wrongs. Unlike some of the CNN prophets, he got a lot wrong. It's, it's crazy. This past year. Yeah, where's Trump? Was he supposed to be back in office by July? Um, it's now what? It's August. So it, it's, it's stuff like that. These prophets are thrown out there to CNN prophets that aren't true. And they would have been stoned for it. But yeah, people keep going back to them, dis disregarding everything they said so far was wrong. But they align the CNN news with it and Fox News. Look, this was right. That's because they watched the news and then they they wrapped it up in the wrapper with it. It's like, that's not cool. Prophetic encouragement and spiritual alignment. The New Testament gospels type of prophetic ministry differs from the Old Testament. In the New Testament, prophetic ministry through the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh, right? All of us. Gosh, Mike, does that mean the psychic psychic affair was poured out on them too? Yes, it was. That's why we were there. Some of these psychics had prophetic gifts, spiritual discernment, but they left their gift to be unredeemed and be hijacked by Satan, and now they're using a familiar spirit rather than the Holy Spirit. And it was amazing because some of the people we ministered to at these New Age fairs, they were prodigal Catholics. Yep. And so they were able to receive us. They were blown away how we were able to do that. We shared it with them to try to steer them back into their spirituality. So the Old Testament prophets received the word of God directly from the Holy Spirit, while New Testament prophets perceived the word of God from the indwelling Holy Spirit. Got that? Why does the believer prophesy in the first place? Why do we? Why do we use it then? So 1 Corinthians 14.3. Thank you, Paul. But one who prophesies speak to men for edification and exhortation and consultation. We're edifying. We're lifting them up. That's why we prophesy. That's why we do prophetic evangelism at the New Age festivals. We lift those people up who walked away from church or who were hurt in church. A lot of them just were. That's what the whole thing is. Always, there's always some experience with church or something. Or, you know, they have something connected with why they don't like church. And so the prophetic evangelism works because it gives them a taste of God with a cool handshake to make them get blown away and that they ask questions and they can start receiving. It's very cool. Edification is building up and encouraging one another. Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So lifting us up through um, encouragement and edification helps us from getting the doldrums and being sucked into deceitfulness of sin. Okay, there's, there's, a, there's something there with that. Being lifted out helps us not deviate towards sin. Cool stuff. Here's where the prophetic ministry has its place in our healing ministry. We are to strengthen the souls of the disciples so that they can love the Lord with all their hearts, with all their minds, and all their strength. That is the goal of inner healing ministry. So Acts 14.22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in faith and saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So we want them to be strengthened. So we're going to go through tribulations, right? That's part of justification. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. God's cleaning us up through tribulations. And I think there would be a shorter line into deliverance ministry, people want deliverance ministry, if they recognize what they were going through was really a tribulation and not a spiritual attack. Keep in mind, too, if you don't listen to Jesus, he's going to allow a spiritual attack in tribulation because he controls these spirits. Yep, you can have, so, anymore when something happens to me, I don't say, oh, it's Capping is demonic. It's like, okay, Jesus, what sort of tribulation am I in right now? And how do I deal with it? How do we work this out? And how do we navigate it? So that way, 
it's just you, you start conquering stuff and going deeper with Jesus to handle things. So hearing from God, we can use his words to spiritually realign a soul focused on the flesh and not on Jesus, right? So when somebody needs deliverance, 90% of the time, their soul is focused on the flesh and it's not aligned to Jesus Christ internally. So 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and with great patience, instruct. And that's what we do through deliverance and we do it by hearing words of wisdom. How do we rebuke attitudes and behaviors using prophetic gifts? God provides consolation to the afflicted and wounded souls. So 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we'll be able to comfort those who are in my, any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So we get comforted in afflictions by being comforted by God. A lot of times we have to do it gently with certain things. So for instance, you're have a, a crew with you, like two or three people doing prayer ministry for um, deliverance on an individual, and you get this picture of those seeing pornography. And you can't call it, you're going to hell, you're learning about pornography, you're looking at naked women and all stuff. Um, the way to approach it during deliverance meetings, you want to set them up to, to repent, is I'm getting a picture that you're looking at stuff that's unhealthy for your soul and your heart, and it's coming in through your eyes, and the eyes are the gateway to the soul. And they look at you like, and they know right away you're talking about pornography, right? There's different ways to approach this. So it's, it's, it's an exhortation kind of sort of, it's not condemnation. And then they go, is there something you want to talk about? Or yeah, it, it, it is, you know, let them admit it's pornography. When they admit it, they start, okay, here we go. They don't want to admit it. They usually got it. Then fine, you're here at Deliverance, man. Don't waste your time. So prophetic ministry etiquette. Prophetic ministry is instrumental in bringing inner healing. Prayer recipients seldom divulge everything sinful in their lifestyle. Like I talk about, we have somebody that has a porn addiction, so I'm not going to talk about it. Unless they're really done with being um, oppressed, they will just, oh, I have a porn addiction, give me that out of me. Um, but many times that's attitude too. They have, to, they have to adjust their mindsets and behaviors with that. So many hide the sins they are truly shameful of and is that very sin that is causing their brokenness of affliction. God will reveal it and he will exercise the utmost compassion, grace, and mercy during the session. So if that soul is um, complacent with working with the Holy Spirit, it's going to be very gentle and graceful and God's going to work with them. Be aware, too, that what you get from words of knowledge and words of wisdom may be tactical information for spiritual warfare. Closely guard your mouth, whether a beginner or a seasoned minister, and ask the Holy Spirit if what you're receiving is to be shared with the recipient or if it's tactical information. For instance, too many ministers tell all individuals, oh, I see a demon on you. And that's, I get so tired of that one. It's, it's, fake it to make it, y'all. There's another one. Many times a person doesn't really see a demon at all. In fact, if there are mental issues or if they're um, DID, dissociative identity disorder, they will never let go of the bad prophetic word. And I tend to hold back on information I see spiritually in deliverance and DID prayer ministry because of this. Um, especially if they're satanic ritually abused and they're, 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 they require years and years more of healing, you can tell it. Don't ever use prophetic ministry on them. You can use it to get tactical information, but don't share what you know. Because many times when I did share early on, duplicitous parts would come up and twist it against them and make it evil. So it, it just keep it to yourselves and what's happening. So I don't always share what I'm seeing, especially when it's um, ritual abuse or Christian ritual abuse and dissociative identity disorder. 
Um, an example of this, I was in a ministry, I was working with a young woman who was a survivor of satanic ritual abuse. And, and we were in a room, and as I was praying, I saw a shadow figure just walk right through the door. I was sitting in a chair next to the door, and I kind of look up, and I see the shadow figure standing there. And so I started um, doing my spiritual warfare under my breath so she couldn't hear, um, binding demons and asking Jesus to petition anything that's out of our realm to help push us out. This is an occult spirit. And I was just binding the witchcraft under my authority. And so she couldn't hear me. She couldn't see what I was doing because I like doing that a lot. Everything has to be covert and tactical information. And somehow the demon around there knew and looked up at me and said, and through her said, oh, by the way, this room's full of us. <laughs> and so I just, okay, Jesus, thanks for the head up because I already started praying in warfare and stuff. We cleaned it out. And once it cleaned out through prayer, the, the, the part finally came up who was summoning him. And we were able to leave that part to Jesus because she was blown away at how fast we were able to deal stuff and how little power um, those, those spirits had against the true Jesus Christ. So, in general, for uh, prophetic ministry etiquette, a questionable or a mature, immature minister would be an individual shouting out and binding all the demons they think they know, right? <laughs> the spirit of envy, the spirit of prostitution, the spirit of water, the spirit of this, the spirit of that, you know, the spirit of false prophecy, the spirit of, you know, where are these in the Bible? They're not. There's spirits there, but a lot of these aren't there. And it's just, you've got to use a discernment, because how do you know? You know, it's just, if God's not telling you those are there, you know, you're mocking spirit. Oh, you mocking spirit. That's, you know, all evil spirits mock. Hello. Um, rather than just allowing the Holy Spirit to drive the prayer session. Sometimes you can sit there and just, I've stared down demons and not said a word and just talking to the Holy Spirit and they just get mad and leave. <laughs> right? It's just, you know, you can do stuff like that because I'm just calling the Holy Spirit to increase in the room, increase in the room. You're a demon. Fine. Increase in this room. Holy Spirit, Increase. Stuff like that. So it's just, yeah. Follow what he's showing you. So learning to hear God through discursive meditation. As a simple exercise, learn how to hear from God, whether through seeing, hearing, or knowing, or sensing. You can just sit in a chair. If you're a beginner, sit in a chair and relax and meditate on the words of Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. You just kind of relax there. You know, Let your mind be still. Don't worry if you left the oven on. You know, don't worry if you're, you know, whatever's going on in your mind, it's just clear your mind of it. Whatever your worries are of the day, clear your mind of it. Just kind of relax and be still and know I'm God. And you have to, you know, let it go through your mind a couple of times. Be still and know I'm God. So Jesus, Jesus, I want to talk to you. I want to I'm set up a phone call. I want to talk to you. And you can move into Bible meditation after this. Bible meditation means you're reading the Word of God and letting your soul process it. Meditating on the words you read in the Bible it's called discursive meditation. So I'm reading it and I'm letting it, the words process in my mind, whether I'm letting it play out like a movie, or whether I'm just, you know, digressing and, and asking the Holy Spirit to show me what these words mean. I'm not reading chapters at a time when I'm doing this. I'm probably reading a few verses or, uh, you know, some, a small section that has one item in it that's, that's, that's all contained together. So as you read the same verse over, like Psalm 46, you pause and listen to see if God is going to speak to you on this text of Scripture. Just pause and wait. Discursive meditation is not Zen meditation. You're not purging yourself. Rather, you're filling yourself with God's word and the Holy Spirit. Make sense? So as you still your mind, you want to just make it so, I call it marinating. You want God's word or God's voice or his topic just to marinate and permeate you. And that's what we're doing here. We're not purging, we're filling. So teaching souls to hear for themselves. 
In the Western Church, we have become lazy in our spiritual walk. We outsource everything spiritual we should have do ourselves. We have far too many souls that can't connect with God, especially ones that are doing prophetic ministry. I have found that the obsessive seeking of prophetic words at a conference is a telltale sign of souls that can't connect with God on their own. They pray for an impartation of hearing God at the conference, get caught up in the spiritual whirlwind of the events, and go home still unable to connect with God. So my, my theology here is if you really want a real impartation, you go home to your prayer room, you spend time in it. You start working with God, talking to him, developing conversations, developing deeper conversations with him, developing connect with him. That's an impartation. It's just spending time in your prayer closet, learning to talk to him, go deeper, go deeper. Is a tribulation. Going through tribulation right now, that's a good topic to talk about. That's a lot of my conversations about tribulation. Dear Lord, what's going on now? You know, how do I deal with this? How do I navigate it? Stuff like that. Or I want to hear deeper from you. I know I'm hearing like this, but why I so love to hear you constantly all the time. How do I go deeper like that? You know, how do I how do I need to hear from you? It's things like that in mental prayer. There are reasons Jesus told his disciples to go to their quiet place and pray, Matthew 6. Jesus was outlining to his disciples how to connect with God, and connecting with God builds a relationship with him. That's the number one thing we're looking for here, building relationship. Don't expect supernatural experiences to be your benchmark. You may have a great supernatural experience once or every so often, every six months, but that's not the goal of this. God just gives you supernatural experiences when he just wants to show you grace or just loves you. He just wants to love on you. It's like bringing you flowers. So Jesus just wants to be with you. He's more about the intimacy than about his experiences. When you're in the right place in your relationship with him, he will teach you how to hear him. And like I shared here, God may speak to you in dreams. Not every dream is a spiritual dream. You must discern with what is supernatural and what is natural whenever you work with God. Hearing from God requires prayer, discipline, and time well spent with the indwelling Jesus. Got that? Whenever you desire something, it's well spent. So conclusions, I just want to beat up here. Learn to hear from yourself. Don't ever outsource. If you go to one or two conferences, that's great. Um, I haven't found any really good books. I found the Mike Verkler book was good. I highly recommend John Paul Jackson's The Art of Hearing God. Um, I think there's a book by Larry Randolph, Poofier Prophet or something like that, which is a really good book on learning prophecy. And I had a few others. Um, maybe I should get them. I'll get them on the show notes to make sure they're there. Uh, which books I learned from and which were, you know, just give you a heads up. If it's from a big, <laughs> a big prophet, they're usually trash. I don't know why. It's just like garbage. Like learn to learn to hear like I do. The, the best way to use prophetic is go out in the streets, go join a homeless ministry where you just go out in the streets and you're being forced to do prophetic. Because then it becomes more natural. The more you do it, you have to come out of your own shell to do this. And I think it was more effective to learn outside the walls of the church because I was operating under God, and I was listening to deliver a message these people needed to hear from him. So, This section of the podcast is actually an addendum to something the Holy Spirit put on my heart this morning. <clears throat> this is like about a day after I recorded the podcast, and it's regarding supernatural ministry, because I discussed the prophetic, going to these different places, like um, working with the the. the the witches, the pagans fair, doing ministry with them, going to new age fairs, um, doing spiritual warfare, using prophetic. I want to point out something that's not really stressed, and it was kind of stressed upon by John Paul Jackson in his Art of Hearing God course about the character of God, I mean the character of the minister, <clears throat> and what we do during these ministry times. 
when you're operating in the supernatural and you're going out and winning souls and helping people, the enemy absolutely hates you. Hates you. Here's a target on your back. And sometimes it's hard to determine where things are coming from because the enemy will destroy all relationships around you. He may attack you physically. He may attack you different ways. And a lot of schools of supernatural ministry don't understand what I'm talking about here because it'll cost you everything. That's what it means to love God with all your heart, with all your mind. I'm not telling you to go out there and put yourself in harm's way because I know some people do that. I want to go someplace in the Middle East and you know, be in danger for Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. When you love Jesus with all your heart and all your mind and you're working the prophetic and you're going to help souls and you're going to darkness and you're taking back territory, it belongs to the enemy. The enemy will fight back. This is like an MMA ring. You have to know how to fight back. And I've seen a lot of good ministers destroyed. Reflecting back with Night Strike, we worked in supernatural ministry. I've seen a lot of ministers destroyed because of participation in that. We went in some dark grounds of San Francisco. And I'm so the people at my mentors got destroyed. I people I worked with got destroyed, got their lives shattered. And it was how the enemy didn't want them there. And it's a very few people. And many are called, but few, you know, few answer the calling. I think very few do that because they survived the amount of warfare that comes in against you as a person, your relationship, your ministry. The enemy will try to isolate you. You won't be a person up on stage speaking to thousands. You'll be a person clandestine, placed in a place where you can reach a few people nobody else can reach because it's strategic and Jesus needs you there. So as we go off and look for stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's like I said, there's always the charismatic side. Hey, I'm getting an impartation. I'm getting activation. Okay, that's great and all. But there is a cost to this, a huge cost. And it can be devastating. It's just, I have a strong marriage, a strong family around me, and we've, we've persevered and we've had relationships plucked off and destroyed by operating prophetic, seeking to win souls. It's not about, hey, I'm on the Elijah list, or hey, you know, I got this great YouTube and I got 3,000 followers, who cares? If you're actually doing damage in the enemy's territory, you are a target. And I want that to be something considered as I cover this thing when I talk about satanic ritual abuse survivors and work with them. When I start talking about doing prophetic ministry and spiritual warfare, you will be a target. It's MMA. If you don't want to fight the MMA, if you don't want to throw kicks, get your nose busted, then get out of the ring. Gosh, Mike, that sounds terrible. You need intercessors. You people around you. You would be surprised the covering I have. I have a huge covering. It's big. It's very big. And that's why my nose hasn't been busted. But there's been a lot of fights along the way. So keep this in mind as you travail with God and you know ask for hearing God. It's good stuff. But the more you step into it, the more the warfare will increase. Remember, my warfare really started is when back in November of 2006, when I told you like, everything was fine in my house and the alarm started going off and all this stuff. Once I realized my gift for spiritual discernment was real. I also not only counsel satanic ritual abuse survivors, but I also counsel damaged ministers who are operating in the prophetic at levels bigger than some of the people that Elijah list and their unknowns. 
but God had them placed strategically, and the enemy just hammered them. So I do a lot of counseling work with these people, too, helping some of these ministers that are spiritual warfare and you know, prophetic get back on their feet and help them get the human legalism some of the supernatural ministry church schools put on them. So keep that in mind. There's a cost to this, and this is the end of my addendum, but it was felt in my heart that you guys needed to hear this as you learn this, because I don't think there was a chapter on this in, in um, the Advanced Field Guide Spiritual Warfare, but I think I hinted towards it in the chapter on exorcism. So end of my addendum, and I'll cut back out to me in the original, pro original scheduled programming. Thank you. That's it for now. I know this one was probably long too. And it was, I'm glad you guys are here and I'm glad you guys are listening to it. I think next time we're going to move into chapter eight. We return to a field guide of spiritual warfare, advanced spiritual warfare, and look at satanic ritual abuse. And I will update you guys a lot of stuff on that. But for now, um, this one's going to be posted on a field guide of spiritual warfare.blogspot.com. And the, the YouTube video will be there, the Anchor FM and the Spotify um, podcast links will be there. So however you want to listen, you want to listen to look on YouTube and get the notes. Or if you just wanted to, you know, listen in your car during a long drive, that's cool too. But like I said, we're still doing missionary work in foreign countries using the microphone and video technology. So we could always use um, funding help there too, just to get the word out and help these people and build churches elsewhere. So if you'd like to donate, go ahead and send us to us at um, m16ministries.com. Uh, Actually, that's a PayPal user ID. is m16ministries.com. And you can find that on a field guide to spiritual warfare.blogspot.com. There's a button there, as well as m16ministries.blogspot.com also has PayPal buttons. But, yeah, let's just keep this thing going and teaching where we can. And I love you guys, and you guys are amazing. And God bless, man. Until next time.